It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Night four of Camp Kiwi and the Bird. Natural disaster. Campers. This is Taylor, a.k.a. the bird from at Kiwi and the Bird. I know a lot has happened, and I know that this is one of those moments where we as directors need to step up and say, everything's going to be okay, or we're all going to get through this. But in all honesty, everything that has happened here this week can't be real, right? I checked the phone lines again. They've been cut. I'm going to be real honest. We're in danger. For our 34 remaining campers, we need to spread out, be careful about who we trust, and either try to find these camp killers or find a way to escape. Some of you have volunteered to explore the trails on horseback, scour the woods for anyone who might be living nearby, and pack up any essential items after breakfast. Which is where our story begins. Breakfast at Camp Kiwi and the Bird is a bleak affair. As the campers silently eat some leftover eggs, potatoes, and chicken tenders, all they can think about is everything that has gone wrong, and how it seems they have little power to do anything about it. Even worse, how a few campers woke up to find strange dolls made out of bound twigs and twine placed on their pillows this morning, like a warning for who and from what no one knows. But at least there's a game plan today. Scavenge for supplies, search for help, and survive. With this in mind, at Hank underscore the underscore octopus stands up from their table, feeling queasy. Either way, Hank and Tristan underscore Robinson's Violet Sorengale head for the stables, where they saddle up two horses and hit the trail, looking for anything or anyone that might be able to help. Meanwhile, at unprofessional underscore bookworm, HD underscore bookie Scarlet Barnes, and Morgan underscore Pearlcrest Pearl Colon, as well as Pearl Service Dog Max, scavenge each cabin, the activity centers, and the dock house for anything useful. Unprofessional bookworm has found some leftover candles, while Scarlet, aka Red, grabs a bow and arrows from the archery range. All the while, Pearl rounds the dockhouse, taking care to avoid the canoes racked outside, and investigates the storage closet. They see paddles, cleaning supplies, and life jackets, when Max barks at something in the doorway, startling them. What's wrong, boy? Pearl asks, thinking Max must have spotted a squirrel or something. But Max adamantly keeps snarling at the doorway, his ears pinned back. Uneasiness overcomes Pearl. After all, Max is a well-trained service dog and usually even-tempered. Pearl swallows and goes to speak again when Max takes off, dashing off into the distance. Max, wait! Pearl tears after him. They throw themselves outside and into the sunlight. Pearl squints and raises their hand, blocking the light, when they hear a sharp, dislodging click to their left. 
Pearl faces the sound. Just as the rows of wrecked canoes come unlocked, the boats shooting off the shelves with stunning speed. One strikes Pearl directly in the head. Pearl collapses onto the ground, feeling warmth pool at the back of their head. They blink slowly as the sky darkens and closes their eyes and never opens them again. At HG underscore Bookie Scarlet is startled when Max tears past them by the archery range, the dog a streak of gold underneath the sunlight. They watch as the dog takes off into the forest and wonder briefly if Pearl is going with them. Shrugging it off, Scarlet shoulders a bow and heads toward the movie screen the camp had used the night before, pillaging the leftover blankets. Scarlet nears the movie screen and kicks away some of the beanbags with a huff. After all, Scarlet had come to camp to get away from the big city for the summer, but dealing with camp killers and aliens certainly didn't make for a great vacation. Scarlet sits on a crumpled beanbag and blows their hair away from their face when they hear a strange snipping sound, like a wire jouncing and falling slack. Something heavy and metallic groans from behind Scarlet, and they turn around, facing the movie screen, just as it tips toward them. Scarlet goes to dive out of the way, but they're too late. The heavy screen falls down on top of them, its weight crushing Scarlet instantly. In cabin four, at Michaela underscore 115, is packing when they hear something crash in the distance. Michaela lifts their head and looks out the window, but doesn't notice anything. They resume their task without further issue. At ginger underscore 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 babies, Paisley Brooks also hears commotion near the lake. But they're too busy trying to retrieve a pin from their hometown from the pool to do something. If Camp Kiwi is going down, Paisley wants a piece of home with them. But the more they try to fish out the pin, it sinks further toward the deep end. Paisley sighs and gets on their hands and knees, plunging the pool tool deeper into the water, when someone pushes them into the pool. Paisley is plunged underwater. They gasp and flounder, and their heads break the surface. Paisley blinks and coughs and demands the person, more rather a shadow with how the sunlight backlights their form. Hey, what was that for? Paisley pushes their wet hair back from their face, angry and waiting for a response. The shadow says nothing, but raises something silver and shiny above them. A toaster? Paisley squints and notices the extension cord that dingles down from the appliance. Wait, Paisley shouts. But the camp killer throws the toaster in without remorse. The toaster bursts, sparks fly, and Paisley's body sinks into the deep end. Hours pass. There is no sign of those who rode off on horseback earlier, despite it being the late afternoon now. At Trushti watches the woods from the window in cabin 9 for a camp killer. So far, nothing. Deep in those very woods, one camper who was presumed dead scavenges for spare wood. Ever since they woke in the woods, they figured it's safer for them to hide out in the forest rather than stay at camp. That's where the camp killers were, right? But many things plague Camp Kiwi and the Bird. 
When the resurrected camper returns to their temporary shelter, they stop still when they see a doll made from twigs, twine, and leaves positioned at the mouth of their hut. The camper inspects the forest, searching for any hint for who, or what, left the doll. But that's the thing about Fae. They are skillful predators who often disguise themselves as trees, animals, or any other organic life form. They're typically drawn to the dead, but a newly resurrected player, whose furiously beating heart sounds so delicious, is an irresistible meal. The trees start to move. They pry their branch-like limbs free from other trunks and shake out their leaf-ridden hair. They move toward Tabby with sharp, rickety movements, and Tabby turns around to run, only to slam into the gnarled chest of another fae standing behind her. Tabby opens their mouth to scream, and everything goes black. Back at Camp Kiwi, a camp killer is hiding underneath the cover of the forest, crouched behind bushes and foliage as they survey the camp. Adrenaline pulses through their veins as they think about what to do next. Just as the camp killer settles on a decision and steps out, they hear a meow from beside them. They look to their right and see a little kitten with white fur and blue eyes tiptoe out from a bush. The kitten yawns and gazes at the camp killer before it sits down and licks at its paw. Shoo! I got stuff to do, the camp killer says, and the kitten stills. It looks at the killer again, only now it's one's blue eyes are black. Startled, the camp killer steps back, snapping a stick. At the sound, the kitten springs up into an aggressive stance. And before the camp killer can even raise their hands to protect themselves, the kitten launches into an attack, transforming into a large, monstrous, thorned and blackened fey beast. At endless underscore worlds underscore endless underscore pages, Arden Rose yells as the fey beast pins them down and snarls in their face. And Arden knows this is the end. Just before the beast goes in for the kill, it whispers in a startlingly human voice, the huntsman says hello. Some miles away, at Hank underscore the underscore octopus and Tristan underscore Robinson's Violet Sorengale ride on horseback through the woods. First in the lineup, Hank winces and holds their gut, their stomach churning and twisting. Their tongue feels dry. They try to remember what they had eaten that morning. Chicken tenders? Eggs? Violet rides behind Hank and scans the forest with watchful eyes. Violet notes the birds cooing in the trees and the careful tread of their horse. And they briefly catch sight of Hank swaying in their saddle before Hank slips off their horse and collapses onto the ground, not breathing. The sight and sound spooks Violet's horse. Their steed rears up into the air and Violet yelps, latching onto the saddle horn. The horse slams their hooves back into the earth. It's okay, boy, Violet shouts. 
The horse only whinnies and rears again. The girth to Violet's saddle, which had been previously cut, snaps. Violet falls off their horse with their saddle. They land hard on the ground, their heads snapping against a rock. The two riderless horses take off, leaving Violet and Hank behind. Around the bodies, the trees move again, the fae unsticking themselves as they scent a new meal. Night falls back at camp. Most of the campers settle in their cabins, praying that the booby traps they've set up around their bunks hold up against the camp killers. At Bella, my beetle, stares out the window, dreaming of home, when they spot something like a shooting star in the sky. Look, Bella says, hoping to lighten the mood. A shooting star! At Everything Books underscore 21 comes over and looks and shakes their head. That's not a shooting star, Everything says. It's like a meteor or an asteroid. Outside, perched on a rock high up in the mountains, at nat.bullock admires that very asteroid, also believing it's a shooting star. Nat thinks that this supposed shooting star is a sign of hope, that even though the night is black, there's still a flare of light, a reason to hope that they might escape all of this. So, Nat keeps admiring that fake shooting star. But when it doesn't die out, Nat starts to wonder, why does it look like it's getting closer? And falling super fast. Indeed, it looks as though the asteroid was going to impact with the Earth within minutes. And despite being smaller, Nat has no doubt it could do miles worth of damage. Frightened, they stand and start to run back to camp. But the trek is long and arduous, the path full of steep switchbacks and natural debris. As they run, Nat keeps glancing back behind them, at the skies and the asteroid that is overtaking their view. I'm going to make it, Nat promises, but they can hear the volatile plummet of the massive rock in the skies. Doesn't matter how fast they run, they can feel the spiraling heat of the incoming missile but they keep running, keep hoping, even as the ground starts to vibrate with the incoming doom. Just as camp comes into Nat's view, the asteroid crashes into the earth, crushing everything, from mountains to trees to Nat themselves, in its wake. Campers, to Nat we have lost. At Tristan underscore Robison. At HJ underscore Bookie. At Morgan underscore Pearlcrest. At Hank underscore the underscore octopus. At Tabby's underscore book underscore adventure. At Ginger underscore 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 baby. At Nat dot Bullock. And at Endless underscore world underscore endless underscore pages. Now... It's up to you all to find out who committed these acts. Voice your suspicions in the group chat. You'll have until 4 p.m. Mountain Time to submit three votes as to who you think did these terrible things. We'll be posting a Google Form anonymous voting link in the description of this episode, as well as the group chat for your convenience. Whichever two people have the most votes will be eliminated from Camp Kiwi and the Bird. 
If you have a role or any special information, it's up to you to decide if you want to voice it. We'll also inform the newly resurrected player that they are alive again. Afterward, we'll be sending out messages to our role players, where they'll have until 8 p.m. Mountain Time to decide what they want to do next. We will also be choosing today's Camp Ghost, where an eliminated player will be able to be a part of the vote. Good luck, campers, and stay safe.